Hello and welcome to Bard Talk. I'm your host Josh, as usual, and this week, you know, I, I don't think I can just continue to ignore it, although ignoring it isn't really what I'd say I've been doing. Um, but I do want to talk about the impact, implications, and fallout from the Derek Chauvin trial. A Chauvin, however you say that racist name, I don't, it doesn't matter. He's not really the focus of it. Um, He's not even really the the disease, but a symptom of the disease and an issue that seems to plague this country more often than I, I don't know. Like I we, we can't seem to shake it. Um, so I, I wanted to have a guest on. I wanted to talk with other people about this and and perhaps my recent content hasn't been enthralling enough to entice anybody to to do it so i figured i'd come out here with the content that seems to appeal to people and and give you my take my opinions and for what it's worth i don't value them greatly um you know my my opinions and and viewpoints and my take on relate race relations is is kind of you know I, I can only do the best i can as an ally as an advocate as somebody who repeatedly stands on the side of injustice and endemic racism and the issues that this country faces and and i mean not just this country the world truly has an issue with race relations and you're reminded of that when you talk to people who travel um or when you watch more world news and less home-based news, which I find difficult, I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I watch the local news on occasion for the weather, and then, you know, as, as clickbait or time allows, I'll watch their coverage of other things, and, and the local news usually is very misguided, misquoted, um, and the anchors do a horrible job getting their facts right in most cases. And I, I, I don't know. I guess it is what it is. But once you get to that national level, it's so hard because it's really dominated by networks that are, that are paid off of ad revenue. And so they generate sensational stories. They have round-the-clock, 24-hour news coverage with a bunch of talking heads debating and screaming at each other. And it's just trying to separate the wheat from the chaff on the national stage is, is difficult. Uh, I think there's a couple good international sources for news. I, I wouldn't rest my hat on them too heavily. Uh, I like the BBC. I like NPR. I think Al Jazeera's is one of the better ones, if I'm honest with myself at the end of the day. The Associated Press uh, occasionally finds a, a diamond, but... It's, I guess, when your trust in the people you live closest to is shaken, it's hard to trust people that life pretty much prevents you from having any contact with or knowing their integrity levels. And so you can listen to NPR, you can listen to BBC or Al Jazeera's, but I think a healthy dose of skepticism is, is always kind of going to be required when you take in the world stage. And, and that's probably why I like an anecdotal evidence. I like, I like hearing people who have been to those countries, um, who have experienced firsthand their bias, um, 
and 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 just their everyday people and that's that's not to say i will judge a whole country off of one or two stories from a handful of people that i know i just find them more credible i guess is is where i'm at with that so uh yeah the issue at hand i think the 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 news the (laughs) and, and you know i don't even know how to describe it because half of me is entirely appalled and the other part of me is is left trying to find the positives out of a situation that that is so complex and hard for the human mind to really get a sense of moralistic right or wrong from we had a very tumultuous year in 2020 there's no doubt about it um the the good takeaways are that body cams and cell phone cams and uh the coverage that is available when people get arrested or when the police use inappropriate force has made um it made it easier to put a spotlight on the wrongdoings the continued wrongdoings that seem to just plague the american justice system if you'll call it that lightheartedly i guess and uh we 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 got this one you know this this case it, i'll start i guess with the the first and foremost most positive thought in my head is that we we got this one okay we we've we filmed a racist piece of shit human being who hid behind his profession as a means to take out his aggression and anger on others and we were able to do so because of the technologies that have afforded us this opportunity. Um, so that's a win. Uh, it's, it's, it's a win, a tragic win, that we have the ability and capabilities to um, videotape and record and document the totality of police violence against everyone. I mean, not just minorities, although... Those are the more egregious ones oftentimes. We've, we've had the ability to, to videotape and document multiple cases of police brutality. And that's a win. Um, the footage is unsettling. It's never enjoyable. It's, it's I don't personally seek out or watch snuff films. It's not my bag. Um, and, and it's hard to watch any of those videos without feeling your pulse quicken and your heart jump out of your chest like nobody wants to see another human being suffer or be scared or anxious and and you go through a myriad of emotions when you watch any police interaction because the the simple nature of it is that people do bad things and more than doing bad things is people break the law some of the laws are quite arbitrary to be frank they're either blatant poor taxes or poverty taxes or revenue generation for the municipalities or they're they are of a serious nature they are laws that we have in order to be a civil society to to cohabitate successfully um you know nobody nobody wants to walk out their house and see somebody screaming, waving a knife or a firearm. Nobody wants to see somebody being attacked, mugged, robbed, raped, whatsoever. Those laws um, don't stand 
in any gray area as far as right or wrong. There is a lot of gray area for most traffic stops. There is a lot of gray area for a lot of the other, you know, no no victim type crimes that are really, dare I say, the prevailing force around the world for unnecessary interactions with what is truly violent and armed people. I mean, you, you can be a good cop. You can be a good person who wants to... I, I use this word loosely, but um, serve the township, serve your community, maybe sprinkle a dash of protection on there. Although that that word is so arguable when it comes to policing in America, but for sure service, you know, you, you're, you're trying to keep neighborhoods um, through a deterrent method. You're trying to keep people in within reasonable speeds on roads where houses are very close and accidents happen to prevent people from getting hurt or animals from getting hurt. You're there to investigate and help people find closure when things do go wrong. Uh, it, it is it is not, in my opinion, the police officer's fault in the slightest that they have an impossible job. That we have created an atmosphere so rich in revenue generating laws that benefit the townships and municipalities and counties and states that none of that is the fault of the person who who willingly takes up that job um, we collectively have to do better we collectively have to at some point drop this infatuation over the celebrity politics and start focusing on home politics if truly we are ever to make an impact on our communities if we ever want to see nonsensical no victim revenue generating laws come down that's up to us fam like that's that's on us to fix you can't ask a police officer or somebody who wants to serve their community in that capacity to make those changes when when you get sworn in when you decide that that is the job you want you have to take all of that job, the good and the bad. And and that's no different than any other job that anybody has. You know, you have policies you have to follow and you have to enforce the laws agreed upon by the representatives in that state or, or district or whatever. And that's something that they, they can't change. That's on us. The, the difficulty, I think, where things go askew is that no matter how you cut... It, no matter how you, you try to look at the perception of the police officer, it is always being, bringing an armed and lethal response to every interaction. I don't, I don't know what to say uh, if you've never had an interaction with the police. And, and I'll say a negative interaction because I think any infraction on your point is going to be a negative interaction, okay? If you've been pulled over for speeding, for having a headlight out, a taillight out, if you've been pulled over for swerving the lines, if it's it, whatever, um, you don't, you, your first thought is not that that person is there to protect you. Your first thought may be, oh, you know, this is going to cost me money, or I wasn't doing anything wrong, or blah, 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 blah. You, your, your, your gut, the, the pulse, the way you're going to feel, the dump of adrenaline you're going to have is a fear response. It's a fear response because you know that 
you were caught by uh, a state enforcement official and you're going to receive a response. And that response comes in the form of a person who's wearing armor, who has a multitude of weapons, who has the ability to put you in the hospital or the ground within that interaction. And that is a difficult thing to deal with in a high stress situation. And everybody feels that kind of anxiety when you have that interaction. And I don't, I just don't know why we both tolerate and accept this as an everyday occurrence. There, I, I get the intricacies of policing are complex, layered and difficult. And for me to have any type of true real world judgment on it, is naive. I'm not a police officer. I I don't want to be a police officer. There's nothing in that job that makes me want to be a police officer. Um, it's, It's a difficult, terrible, hard job. And as much as I've had jobs where I've had terrible, awful bosses that just needed to go, that just enforced terrible policy, that wrote terrible policies, they're bound up by the legislator. The police have to answer to the laws put forth by the state. And, and they're, they're honest to God, there's, their bosses could change every four years and it wouldn't matter if we continue to allow the legislator to write these terrible laws. And it's a difficult thing. And, and to say, well, we need to have unarmed police officers like they do in the UK and, and you know, traffic stops, you know, you, should, you don't need your gun for a traffic stop. Well, situations are dynamic and ever-changing. And as much as I think there are police officers out there who are looking to hurt people on a regular basis, there are people out there looking to hurt police officers. There are people that would love to have that edge. There are people with thin morals that that don't extend beyond their nose and they don't care. And I wouldn't ask anybody I know to take a job willingly where they're going to have to enforce unenforceable, untenable laws set forth by the legislator and not have any type of protection in doing so. And it's when you start looking at things with this gaze, this softened approach, I'm not drawing a line and saying it's not their fault. But I am drawing a line and saying that it's the necessity caused by a failure of the populace to elect officials to make the changes necessary for a civil society don't lay on the police officer. We, we have to do better. We have to make their jobs easier we can't just continually point the finger um and that's not to say that that there isn't just hateful racist cops that's that's a whole that is a whole issue that i have panged on from from before is the entire selection of a police officer their training um the equipment available to them is ridiculous it's nonsensical uh, you know, Pennsylvania, where I inhabit, uh, has a MOPEC certification. I don't know what the acronyms are, but I can tell you the police academies around here, the hardest part about becoming a police officer is passing the physical agil- agility stuff. 
they teach you how to read the code crimes books and they teach you how to memorize certain passages from there and how to look up stuff and that is the educational part of becoming a police officer the rest of it is the physicality of becoming a police officer and that needs to change the the government's willingness to provide militarized weapons to the police forces has to change and police officers can't change that you know i think one of the easiest ways to affect change to end run this political machine that we've built based off of popular celebrity type politics would be to move to a more sheriff county election based system i i personally think that it is irreprehensible that in most major cities the mayor of the city gets to decide who the police chief is and you the police have no say that's that's ridiculous if we're going to allow or accept or you know maybe first acknowledge that for-profit policing is a thing then we should probably have a say on who the ceo of that company is getting to vote for the highest elected law enforcement official has drastic impacts it gives you the ability to have a say on who is going to be in your neighborhood policing you're going to have your thumb on the policies enforced yeah you have to vote for city council township supervisors so on and so forth i've panged that drum enough that local politics matter the most and that the situation we're in is largely our fault. But pol policing for profit is a huge issue. Now, I know this story is from 2015, and it's relatively old. Um, anybody can look it up on the Washington Post, however. And if you want to fast track to it, go to joincampaignzero.org um, and look through their research sections, and they'll talk about policing for profit. The, the article um, by Christopher Ingram is about Philadelphia, you know, a city uh, maybe an hour and a half away from. And it talks about how the cops take in over $2.2 million a year in asset forfeiture. That, that money's never given back in most cases. And uh, $1,500 of, of them are never convicted of a crime in that year. I mean, and this was a report completed by the American Civil Liberties Union. Philadelphia is not an anomaly. Many, many asset forfeiture take place all over the country, and they go to fund the coffers of the district attorneys, judges, police unions, so on and so forth. Um, they say that they reinvest that money into crime prevention and so on and so forth, but that's that's an utter load of hogwash, and we know it. And I bet if you were to look at bigger cities like Los Angeles, San Diego, New York, any of the above, the, the numbers would be staggering. And that's, that is not a ticket. That is, that is not a traffic enforcement issue. This is literally people coming into your house with a warrant and seizing your assets and you never get them back. And that's the story. And, you know, I feel like I've gone 20 minutes into this and I haven't really truly touched on the, the chauvin case but i guess what i'm trying to get at is that we need to be aware of a couple things we need to be aware that the police um have technology that allows us to record them we have cell phones we have the ability to capture these events when they happen and that's a win but 
the downside is is all of this other stuff the downside is that being able to see them do evil doesn't prevent them from doing the evil since George Floyd's death, we've had a myriad of other police-involved shootings. We we had the Breonna Taylor case, which, you know, no shock there. Um, you're not going to get away with that because there were so many people that needed to be arrested in that it wasn't going to happen. In this case, they pinned everything on the police officer actually committing the act. And, and it feels empty and hollow to me. And I, I understand that my voice doesn't carry weight, that it, I, I haven't the credentials to speak on this the way my friends do, the way people who have to live with this every day do. But the fact is, we watched a cop on video commit a murder, and that cop got convicted of committing a murder. That shouldn't be a shock. This shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. The fact that it is a surprise to the police officer tells you all you need to know about that piece of scum. Like, and they're going to appeal it. And and I guess that's another reason I was kind of loath to really bang on this topic is because they're going to appeal it. And I'm not saying that they're going to win the appeal, but they might get the charges reduced so that he has some semblance of a life after a very short period of time. You know, we... this isn't over and it's not the win that I want and that sounds it it sounds even just saying it sounds wrong the police officers that let it happen need to be charged as an accessory if this was a crime on the other shoe if there were multiple people involved in in a police officer having his neck kneeled on for nine minutes you're darn right everybody involved would be charged as an accessory to a peace officer killing and the fact that when the tables are reversed is not the case it it just it really mocks that whole well not all cops are bad argument because all of those cops involved if you go deeper into the case and you find out that that piece of shit had a history a mile long with brutality and racist comments and racist actions and they just covered it up and hid it you know it brings us right into the next whole issue with this and that's police unions how in this country can we allow the very force that has to 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 enforce the state's wishes and and laws and penalties upon us to have a union so powerful that it can determine whether or not that police officer has has punitive action for for not doing his job or for improperly executing the oath that he took a union that will put up an insurmountable defense attorney for a police officer who is videotaped killing another person unjustly how i i i just i i don't know you know i'm not i'm not horrifically anti-union i think they have their places i think in all of the the private sectors they make a lot of sense i i get it i understand what the union did for us i know right now that i couldn't sit here and record this podcast if it weren't for unions that fought for the rights of workers because 
the truth of the matter is that, you know, a, a person who owns a business unregulated will work people to the death. We only have to look to our overseas cousins and, and neighbors to realize how hard life can be when people don't join together and fight for fair, safe, and good work practices. I get all that. I just don't know how I reckon that the very people who take an oath to serve their communities are afforded a union so powerful that it gets them out of trouble when they shouldn't be people wearing those badges in those positions. You know, that those people need counseling, they need mental health care, they need a job that removes them from interaction with people in any type of authoritarian role. I just don't know. And again, if you want to research this, if you want to look into more in-depth issues with the police unions, join CampaignZero.org. I, it's absolutely one of my favorite resources. It is such a great informational tool when you want to read up on these kind of things. That system, that union, that entire compact has to be dismantled. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't think it's fair to any, anybody who has to be police to have a, a union that powerful representing law enforcement officials in a capacity that allows them to get away from their crimes. It just, it doesn't make any sense. I, it doesn't, we shouldn't allow it. It's fair and simple. You know, you want to sign up for the job? Fine. Do a good job at that job. Settle for the pay and benefits cons that, that come with that type of position. And if they aren't to your satisfaction, don't do it. You know, I'm not going to play this either or thing, but there are other civil servant jobs that are nowhere near the pay and benefits that police officers get. And that they're also union. Their unions aren't that powerful and they're not in a position of authority over others. So I just, there's things that, that, that irk me about this case. And that's, that's one of the bigger ones. Um, is that, you know, the union kept everybody else involved in the case out of the spotlight and that they mounted a defense for this guy who, you know, almost comical, almost comical. The police that'll tell us that extenuating circumstances don't matter in a case that, that the black and white facts of what happened at that moment are the only thing that matter. And then his entire defense was, well, you know, George Floyd was a drug addict and him and his girlfriend, they did opioids and blah, 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 blah. And none of that had anything to do with the fact that the guy had another man kneel on his neck for nine minutes. I mean, if you watch the trial and, and the doctor's testimony, like just chef's kiss, my man, you, you, you laid it out in the only means that mattered. You brought the facts to the case. If you uh, listen to the testimony from the paramedics when the judge snapped at her and told her, you know, her opinions didn't matter to just state the facts of the case, that tells you everything you need to know about how EMS uh, personnel are treated. It's just, I, I'm trying to find the positives from all this. I mean, the glaring positive, obviously, is the man that actually did the deed is going to go to prison. An appeal will be made, but he is going to go to prison for some amount of time and he is going to lose his ability to be a police officer again. And that that's that's the win. That's the win you have to take. But the totality of the win is hollow. 
it just doesn't it doesn't seem to hold any weight when not only did the other officers get away with not doing anything but it the the spotlight brought on to how the police unions cover up misconduct by police officers the way the judge addressed the EMS personnel the way the prosecution made their case which was only a case to defame the person who ultimately died as a result of this man's actions it is the entire system so corrupt and and misguided and and i've i've said this before on the whole brianna taylor case that the judge that wrote the warrant for for that raid needs to be arrested disbarred arrested and go to jail and that all of the police officers involved accessories to the crime need to serve some amount of time if we continue to punish just the person involved and not everybody that made the situation happen in the first place there's no real win there's no real reform there's no you know judges don't get arrested really in any capacity that makes it meaningful for them to do their jobs correctly you know and again this is a branch of our government that is assigned to keep the peace assigned to create a civil more just society and they those fuckers get away with more than police officers do now yes they're elected yes you have a say on who the judge is in your area do you vote for your judge do you pay attention to that um is do, are you aware that most police unions will put up the money for campaigns for judges and stuff like that if you're not i hope you are now uh, a lot of judges are either ex-police officers or prosecutors or or defendant or um, uh, DAs, district attorneys and such stuff like that. Like that's the majority of judges. It's not a requirement to be a judge. The, the there's very little requirements to run and become an elected official as far as a judge goes. But they're usually ignored not voted for regularly by the majority of people and so they're installed by police unions and district attorneys and prosecutors and all of those little institutions that reap in the benefits from acid forfeiture from strong police contracts and unions from from policing for for revenue all of these things are intermingled and tied together these are issues that are never going to go away until people take the time out of their day and go vote for their local government. Go vote for the people that can fuck you hardest, fastest. I've said that a million times, and I know I keep circling back to it, but it's the truth. You know, when you get into these higher circuit courts, it's higher, higher, these, these judges are often appointed by representatives in the state are in the federal government and that's when you have to pay attention to your federal government appointees but that's that's not where this case wound up that's not where the brianna taylor case wound up and the other cases that are coming forth the case where the police officer mistook her taser and shot an unarmed team in the back i mean it this shit is going to continue to happen if people don't take an active role in their communities and how their communities are policed how their communities are provided with fire and EMS, how their communities are provided with clean drinking water and stable sewage plants. I mean, like, everything happens at the local level. The things that affect your life happen right there in town, 
And if you are not present, if you don't show up and you're not actively engaged in it, you are culpable in everything. Circling back to this trial, you know, uh, I, I, a lot of people that I spoke to were like overjoyed. You know, some people cried. Some people I watched when the, when the verdict came down guilty on all three accounts. Some people came down and they were crying right there listening to the radio or on the internet reading whatever source they find tenable. And that's great. I mean, that's wonderful. That's exactly what you want to happen. But some people were shocked by it. Some people couldn't believe it. And I was like, how can you not believe they they convicted a guy who was on, on video killing another man? Well, the reason it's a shock is because police are often on video killing other people and nothing happens. It's swept under the rug. Um, there's always extenuating circumstances. You watch the Brianna Taylor trial, like it, what a sham, what a sham. I, I, I don't, you know, the, the reports from how she may have fired back to the boyfriend was, was unloading just, just everything about it was terrible. And I don't, I don't know how, how anybody finds it shocking one way or the other, you know, in this case, one police officer out of three or four that were on scene at that time got his comeuppance. Maybe. For now. We'll see how the appeals trial go. But it, it should have been worse. Uh, he was ultimately charged with second degree and third degree murder, as well as second degree manslaughter and the death of George Floyd on May 25th, 2020. Um, and just we'll just break that down a little bit, you know? Second degree murder is causing the death of a human being without the intent to cause that death. Mm. <laughs> I don't know, man. That 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 seems wrong, right? Like I think I think he wanted that guy dead. I I don't I don't think he cared for his life at all. I think the only thing that kept him from pulling out a gun and executing judge-like authority right there on the spot is the people recording. And his, his, well, I guess his cam got knocked off, but, you know, the other cams of the other police officer. I, I don't think there's any thought in my head. <sighs> you know, I, I go, I would have backed that up. I really shouldn't make assumptions about what people are thinking. But definitely by his body language, by his shaved head, and his pretty stoic look during the time of it, it really does look like he knew what he was doing and he wanted that man not to be alive. And that is the truth of it. Um, second degree murder is the death of a human being without intent to cause that death. And that seems kind of wrong, kind of wrong. Uh, the third degree murder charge is murder. Murder is unintentionally causing someone's death by committing an act that is eminently dangerous to the other person while exhibiting a depraved mind with reckless disregard for human life that that fits i mean that that sounds right um except for the unintentional part too how do you unintentionally cause someone's death while committing an act that's eminently dangerous to the other person while exhibiting a depraved mind so it's almost like they're acknowledging that by him shaving his head and looking like an aryan racist piece of shit um that he was depraved mind, you know, he was acting recklessly, you know, silly little racist cop. Oh my god, like, it just... Third degree may be coming closer to the truth of the matter. But again, I it, it, there's an excuse almost written into that. 
and it seems hollow. And the second degree manslaughter uh, is probably the most egregious because second degree manslaughter is described as man, um, second degree manslaughter is culpable negligence where a person creates an unreasonable risk and consciously takes the chance of causing death or great bodily harm to someone else. Uh, you know, like, did, did, did he... <laughs> Is it really negligence if you kneel on somebody's windpipe? I like, oops, oh shit, dude, you need that to breathe, silly me. Ah, I forgot we needed oxygen. I'm sorry, I'm just a stupid racist. I don't know nothing. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, I mean, yes, he's charged and convicted and will serve at least some police or jail time until his appeal court comes through and we see what the appeals go through and yes appeals are a gamble because he may appeal and win he may appeal and lose and get a worse charge unlikely but what were the charges that that would have really really fit the case well let's talk first degree first degree falls usually into one of two categories premeditated intentional killings like stalking somebody before you murdering them have an elaborate plan to break into their house and kill them in their sleep, and felony murder. Now, felony murder you might not see on many uh, criminal statutes, but the term felony murder is the unnamed term which falls under the first degree murder statute, and it's called a felony murder when a human being is killed during the commission of a felony. Pretty simple, right? So, so... Uh, here you have a police officer who was committing a crime. He was acting outside the scope of his training. He was out acting outside the scope of the use of force. The man was handcuffed. He was in police custody. Um, it sounds like that person's committing a crime. You would have to argue the whole felony versus crime thing, but I generally feel that that would fall under felony murder. I mean, I feel like it falls into that category. And what would that have bought you? Well, it, it, it buys you the possibility of execution. It buys you the possibility of multiple life sentencing. Uh, we haven't, as far as I know, haven't heard the sentencing rule because there's going to be an appeal. But those, that sounds more like a first degree murder charge to me than a second degree or a third degree or a second degree manslaughter. I just, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure they took in his many years of service to the community when they decided on his charges. And again, you know, elect judges, man. Find judges that uh, that fit your ideals, fit in, in the world that you want to see and instill them. Because if not, this is the kind of stuff you get. Now, I think the prosecution decided to go after the second degree charges. I know there was a lot batted around whether they were going to attempt to go after um, a felony murder. And, and to be honest, to prove that in a court of law is going to be difficult. You have to be concrete. You have to prove everything in a court of law beyond a shadow of a doubt. Unless you're black. If you're black and it's you versus the state, the state then can make up whatever facts they need to get you behind bars, and it doesn't matter because you have no readdress. But in this case, a white police officer was on trial and charging and going after a felony murder one is going to be difficult. 
I get that. I get all of that. Honestly, I do. I'm not going to drone on about how this this isn't the win that fits my criteria 100%, blah, 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 blah. It's not that. It's not that it's even disappointing. I don't... I, my disappointment is is more in just the reactions, I guess, or the totality of the situation because where I think this is a win and I think it's good and I'm super happy that it happened and I don't want to take anything away from anyone who is celebrating this and that has been my biggest fear about putting out this entire episode was just I don't want to piss on somebody's parade if somebody's happy about this if somebody's just enjoying the win do you do that man you god live it up it is it is a win it's just it feels like we have so much sin to address, that we have such a long road to hoe in this regard to make things amicable, to set right wrongs that this country perpetuates. And this is just the smallest drop in a bucket that should be overflowing. And again, I, I don't own the authority to speak on this. I, I can't. I, I my My perspective and... The tenet that I try to live by is that I try to be the best ally, ally that I can, to be the best advocate, to be a voice that amplifies the voices that matters, to be at least a voice in support so that when you listen to podcasts, when you turn on media, when you turn to those things to find comfort, that you know in the middle of bumblefuck pennsylvania there's at least one little white boy that'll spit some hot fire in your cause but i i I just i I don't want i don't want to i don't want to take away somebody's celebration i don't want to give them pause to stop and think hey he's right like what about all this other stuff It, it didn't this case didn't solve endemic racism this case didn't decide anything monumental this case was a slam dunk for the prosecution that that should have gone harder but it didn't and and it's it's a win it's a win i guess it's just we need to do better we need to collectively do better and i guess if you want that that position if if you are if you are a person who can take the time and research and look into the atrocities that that white people commit on minorities and people of color and if you feel strongly that these things need to be readdressed and you want to be an advocate and you want to need to do things you don't need to have a podcast you don't need to spend thousands of dollars donating to charitable organizations like campaign zero black lives matter and and so on and so forth you don't you don't have to get involved on that level you just just go vote Go vote at the local elections. Go vote for your judges. Go find out who these people are. And when they don't align with the doctrine that you feel is just, highlight it. Talk about them. Blow them out of the water. Drum up some port. You know, you you post stuff on telephone poles all day long. They might take it down. But go ahead. Like, make up flyers. Expose people. There are so many ways that you can be a good advocate. There's so many ways you can help people. Um, and it doesn't require a lot of effort, a little bit of effort. It's gonna, it does require effort. It's not free. I can tell you like the worst things you can do are just post on social media. You know, you want to, you want to, you want to do good. You want to make a difference, amplify voices, amplify 
what your friends of color are saying. Retweet, repost, hashtag, share, um, put it in your story, you know, blast it from every crevices, take their voices, their opinions, their feelings on everything and put it on blast and, and show the world through your actions that you're not, it's not your opinion, but you are amplifying the voices of those people entrenched in this eternal fight, this fight that since this country's founding, we will never get away from at this rate. That's, that's the best thing you can do. And, and, you know, if you don't have the fortitude to deal with the fallout from all of that situation, if you can't weather the, the abuse that's going to come from your racist friends that will absolutely surface at a moment's notice when that kind of stuff starts going on, like then, then be comfort, you know, call, call your friends, tell them like, Hey, I, I just want you to know, like, I'm thinking about you. And if you need to talk, if you need a safe place to come and vent, if you need, if you just want to tell somebody how happy you are, if you want to share in the excitement, like I'm here for you, man, I'm, I'm here to to be there for you as a human being and i'm sure some people will appreciate that some people take you up on that that's that's the position that the 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 least position you, you can take is to open your home and heart to somebody who who has to deal with racial trauma and and you know it's it's 100 percent it is 100% of your friends of color. It doesn't matter if you have Asian, Indian, Black, Hispanic. If you have friends that are not Anglo-Saxon, American white, I can promise you they dealt with racial trauma at some point. It is heartbreaking to me when I'm at work. Um, and this is an innocuous thing. It is an innocuous thing. It has nothing to do with everything I've talked about. It's just an aid. I was warming up food in the microwave and an aide came rushing in and the guy's he's super kind he's he's very focused so like he doesn't talk a whole lot um but he came into the kitchenette and and he he's like oh my god i'm starving uh you know it's that time of the year and like i i have to fast until sundown and i was like oh you're muslim and he kind of looked at me like with a little bit of panic in his eyes broke my fucking heart and then he goes uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, it's Ramadan. And so we don't eat from sunup to sundown. And he had a, a bag of figs. He's like, would you like to try a fig? And I was just like, oh, you know, thanks, man. Um, but I'm actually heating up some Mexican lasagna because, you know, I'm a white American who bastardizes other people's cultures for my cuisine. And, and he goes, oh, that sounds pretty good. And uh, I said, yeah, I don't know if figs would go right, but but thank you so much for the offer and and good luck with Ramadan. I I know that's tough. And I said, I think I think you have such a beautiful religion. And I visited a mosque and I told him I told we we had a small conversation about it. And he was just like the look in his eyes that went from fear about admitting that he was Muslim to me broadly accepting it and complimenting him on it. And it was just like. That was heartbreaking to me that that he probably has the perception that most people that look like me look down on him for his beliefs that we judge him that that you know we inherently assume that he's you know whatever i'm not even gonna say the word but like it is hard to come with to come to terms with how innately racist we are raised 
that we just don't even know that we just you you can't if if you spend time thinking about it at all you won't even really scratch the surface on the words and practices and sayings and just the little just little logs that stack up that create this monument to racism that we are just entrenched in and you know i i've <laughs> i've said some things that you know i wish i could take back i've 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 there's been periods of my life when i just wasn't the best ally and that when i wasn't the best supporter and then i i i held beliefs that i didn't even really know were racist i i would flat out deny it i never called myself a racist i never exclaimed to be you know but i was i my actions my language the my beliefs the the way i used to feel when there were police shootings i you know i've said it before you go all the way back to the 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 very popular ones of my era my generation you know and yeah you know i i held beliefs that that weren't right you know i i said that stupid shit like well i guess you know when somebody's pointing a gun at you it doesn't matter what color you are you are you should just comply but like it's you don't know uh, and i'm not making any excuse for white people i'm i'm really trying to sound the horn that it's time to take inventory it's time for you to think about things and and realize how much this case meant to people to realize that all of these cases are not isolated incidents that there is truly deep and regrettable systemic racism very much alive and well in this country and that we do a poor job at acknowledging that. And, and if you take the time and you do some personal inventory and you really think about all of your beliefs and thoughts and the way you've reacted, and if you had to stand trial, if you had to say these things out loud, truly, how would you feel at the end of the day? And then when you do that, look back in a decade and watch how much you grow. You know, watch how much your, your, your view of the world changes and your understanding of the world and and also go go see the world too i mean there's nothing more culture shocky for somebody than when you get out of your little your little race your little maze you know we we love we love being at home we love our communities we love everything that we know within the confines of a hundred miles but i mean go out and see the world travel to charleston travel to areas where racism is on display for everyone to see go to other countries go to vietnam go to um go to the uk go to france go to the places where they love to be so you know we're not racist blah 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 you know okay settle down francis i don't know i'm gonna wind up this podcast because i i i don't i don't want to entrench myself too much in being preachy but I, it's just my thoughts. My, my unadulterated thoughts is not correct. They're obviously filtered thoughts. But it's my thoughts that I feel comfortable sharing about this case and trial and everything that went in on it. And I'll say that, you know, my surface level knowledge of everything and how it, it, came, to it came to be and where we go from here is minuscule. And that's fine. And I'd love to get some people on to talk about this a little bit more in depth. But, you know, I, I think that I had to eventually put this out and, and get my thoughts out there. And, and these are my thoughts. This is I'm I'm happy 
I'm happy that we saw a man on video kill another man actually get convicted. And I hope his appeal fails and backfires and it gets even worse for him. Um, and and it, you know what? It probably will. It truly, in the climate that we're in now, we may actually start seeing justice. And that could be the biggest takeaway from this trial ever, is it may have been the, the, the shock to white racist people that we need to wake them up. That it's that, you know what, Trump isn't president anymore. All of your fucking blatant racism is no longer going to be tolerated. Go back, crawl into the stupid, wretched, putrid holes you crawled out of, and go away. Please, go. Just go die somewhere, will you? Just go. Leave. Go. Let us alone. We're going to start healing, I think. We're going to continue to educate, and I think that, you know, that George Floyd died many, many months ago, and in his wake... Many more people have been killed unjustly, and those trials have to come to light. And there's going to be miscarriages of justice, and there will be justice that's executed. And none of it is going to be satisfying. None of it is going to tick all of the boxes that we all individually are going to put out there to, to create the perfect wind, the, the, the absolute, this is what should have happened all along. It's going to be disappointing in various degrees, and that's okay. Because I think... As we continue to roll down this path, the reforms and changes are going to come slow. And if it comes slow, it still comes. So, you know, amen, right? Like, amen. Racist cop goes to jail. There's a little bit of comfort and closure for the family. One down. Let's go after the other one. Again, thank you so much for listening. Please go check out joincampaignzero.org if you can spare some money their way, support their cause, get involved, read their research articles, look at their talking points. They are a fabulous organization. They need more support. I truly believe in their message. I link their up their 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 stuff often. I talk about them often because it's truly something that cares that I care about greatly. So, thank you a whole bunch everybody for listening. Get this episode out here. And uh, I'll see you next week.